Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, January 23rd, 2022, which is the third Sunday in the season of Epiphany. Let's begin our time together today with a reading from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot were to say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The Word of the Lord. May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us, everyone. It was in the 11th grade when I first encountered the writing of an English author named Len Dayton. Much like Ian Fleming, Dayton wrote a lot of Cold War spy novels, and I was quickly drawn into the world that he created. In the early 1980s, he came out with a trilogy titled Game, Set, and Then Match, in which he drew on the tennis metaphor for his titles. 
Later, he published a prequel and then a subsequent trilogy that he named Hook, Line, and Sinker. By the time I reached the end of Dayton's final installment, I felt that I had really gotten to know the main character, Bernard Sampson, and his treacherous ex-wife, Fiona. No matter the medium, it's amazing how we can get drawn into a piece of literature. On occasion, our lectionary readings give us a similar experience by providing us with a series of consecutive readings from Scripture. Last week, we read the first in a series of three consecutive readings from Paul's first letter to the Christians in Corinth. In that portion of his letter, Paul describes a variety of spiritual gifts that God gives to faithful people. He goes on to explain that there are a variety of gifts and that none are more important than the other. Each gift is given so that we might partner with God to meet the variety of needs of those around us, eventually helping others to enter a deeper relationship with God. Paul is clear that these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, all so that we and others might recognize Jesus as Lord. Paul goes on to challenge the Corinthians' attitudes around these gifts by emphasizing that all gifts are equally important and necessary. No one gift is more important than another. Each gift is given so that all people of faith are able to respond to different situations with contextually appropriate expressions of God's compassion. To paraphrase an old saying, God doesn't call those who are already equipped to the tasks at hand. Rather, God calls us first and then equips us for what needs to be done. This concept of God equipping people with a variety of gifts is the forerunner of what we read today from Paul's letter. Today's epistle reading picks up right where we left off last week. Today's reading opens with Paul comparing individual Christians to the individual parts of a human body. Just as an eye or an ear or a nose have different functions in the human body, so too do people of faith have different functions within the faith community. Furthermore, Paul's analogy emphasizes that these gifts work together in concert with each other. Each of our senses combine to help us interact with the world around us in a safe and enjoyable manner. These various physical functions add value to the whole of our lives, just as individuals who have a variety of gifts and abilities add value to the life of the entire faith community. Paul goes on to describe an imaginary conversation between the various parts of a physical body. He describes one body part telling another body part that it is unnecessary or irrelevant. Paul is engaging in hyperbole here and is intentionally exaggerating things to prove a point. His point is that a hand can no more dismiss a foot than can one Christian dismiss the gifts of another member of the faith community. We need others and their gifts just as much as they need us and our gifts. The fact is that this diversity of gifts and experiences makes the community stronger and richer and better able to respond to each other's needs. Biblical scholar Melanie Howard puts it this way, 
While this imaginary scenario that Paul describes may at first seem absurd, the inclination towards the radical individualism that it illustrates is not merely the result of an active imagination. Indeed, the conflict between a spirit of radical individualism and recognition of interconnected interdependence continues to be evident in the world today. We begin to understand that Paul is denouncing this idea of the ruggedly individualistic self-made person. Not only that, Paul is deliberately dismantling a spiritual hierarchy among the Christians in Corinth. Although we are each gifted differently, that does not mean that one person's gifts are intrinsically better than another person's gifts. In the first place, the gifts that we receive are not of our own making. We are dependent upon God for the spiritual graces to exercise the ministry to which we are each called. Secondly, Despite differences in gifts, we are each simultaneously both needed and we need each other. Put another way, we each bring unique gifts and experiences to the benefit of other people's lives. As we offer our gifts to the benefit of others, we are also drawing on other people's gifts and abilities. As a faith community, we are interconnected and interdependent. So what does this all mean for you and I today? Well, at first blush, Paul's challenge to the Corinthian Christians invites us to examine our own thinking and practices around how God has gifted us and others. Last week, we considered ways to identify and use the gifts that God has given us personally. We also thought about the ways in which we create a safe place for others to explore and implement their own spiritual gifts. That is still very much a part of today's theme. Our text for this week builds on that challenge by inviting us deeper into examination. The first way that this text can be applied is in the personal and immediate sense. We see that Paul presumes that people of faith are actively participating in the life of a faith community. To pick up on Paul's metaphor, as people of faith, we cannot thrive once we are cut off from the body that is the faith community. We are built to live in relationship and in community. God has equipped other people specifically so that they can help us when we are in need. Conversely, we have been given gifts that will benefit others. This kind of reciprocal relationship also invites us to consider both what we can learn from others as well as what we can teach others. How might others help us draw closer to God, and how might we help others to do likewise? All of that is predicated on actively participating in a faith community. This text, and others like it, make it pretty clear that we cannot fully live out our faith in isolation. The Apostle Paul spent a great deal of time and energy working to overcome division and discord in the Corinthian church. Along the way, he taught about the ways that God empowers everyday people like you and I, empowering us to accomplish great things in God's name. He concludes this portion of his letter 
with a long list of what might be considered spiritual superpowers. That list included things like the ability to perform miraculous healings, to prophesy, and to perform other miracles. As impressive as these spiritual superpowers might be, Paul encouraged his readers to seek out an even more excellent and more powerful way to live out our faith. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for inviting us to be a part of the body of Christ and for the gifts and graces that you have given to each of us. May we live our lives according to your plans and purposes. Empower us to complement the work carried out by our brothers and sisters in Christ. Unite the whole body of Christ, so that as individuals we may be truly united as one body, to serve you in the place where you have planted each of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.